0: assalamu alaikum may the peace that only god can give be upon you good evening and welcome to another edition of radio islam this is your host Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on wcev 1450 am streaming live at wcev1450.com for those of you who are new to the radio islam family we welcome you thanks for tuning in this is going to be a quick hour as always now, you need to know that you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. And you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And you can also catch up on those episodes that you have missed out on. But don't worry. You can check each and every one of them wherever you get your podcast. So if that's iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or SoundCloud... Or some other platform, you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. Now, for those of you who want to go beyond simply posting on our board or tweeting us, uh, waiting for a response, you can call us if you like. You can do so at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. All right, Radio Islam family, happy Monday to all of you who are observing the traditional work week, if it's your first day. Uh, Welcome back. Hope that it's been a good day. If you're behind the wheel, remember, no texting while driving. Uh, Do so safely. And inevitably, right, it's the present right now, but who knows, somebody may be listening to this, or will wind up listening to this, the next day, or a week from now, or a month from now, you know, whatever. But whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening, we we'll hope you are doing so in the best of spirits, the best of health. And um, I want to share a little observation with you all. Uh, this is beyond. I guess. I guess it is related to where we find ourselves as a as a nation, uh, and even beyond beyond the. The, the borders of the United States, but that's that's where I'm going to situate uh, my remarks. Uh, it's within the context, uh, the awareness of the United States, the history we have, uh, and where we are presently. Uh, I think one of the announcements um, in the news that was given by uh, by Ibrahim was, I believe, you talked about the children testifying. Did you mention that? Yeah. Okay. So he talked about the children uh, that are that are being summoned, that are being forced to. Testify on their own behalf. I mean, now children have testified, and it's not it's not anything new. Uh, generally, they are testifying against an attacker, right? They're testifying against someone who has abused them. Uh, quite often, in, in in family court and things of that nature, uh, children will be called on to testify, right? But this goes beyond that. We're we're in a situation where children are being pulled away from their from their protectors, from their parents, and they are basically being put in a position to their testimony goes really against their parents right now that's not really what i want to talk about what i'm bringing it up for this reason uh the 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 microscopic the small view of it uh when it gets down to this point it's really based upon who these people are right it's based upon them not having uh the type of um not not having value in other folks' eyes, right and and that is because of the just the deep and sad and sick history that is a part of the United States and it, its founding um, that it has been founded on such uh, racial um, not just identity but just but well, race is above everything else. Um, it's it's above it's above faith. It's above gender. It's above class, uh, and it's used as a wedge. Now I'm bringing this up because I there's something for those. I, I don't know if I've talked about this before or not, but I travel like a black man from the um, from the 30s, from the 40s. That's how I travel. All right now. And what I mean by that, if you don't understand what, that, what, what I mean when I say that, there was something called the Green Book. It was actually, it was really called the, the Negro Motorist's Green Book. And this book was an annual publication, and it was a guidebook for African-American road trippers, right? And it was commonly called the Green Book. And it started out, it was originated by um, a New York City mailman, Victor Hugo Green. And he published this book from 36 to 66, right? Now, this was in uh, response to the Jim Crow laws that governed life in the South. Uh, and open and, uh, and deadly discrimination uh, was inflicted upon uh, African Americans living in those spaces or traveling through those spaces. Now, most notably, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people... We have certain bookmarks where we talk about um, incidents that sparked, you know, uh, outrage. But like Emmett Till, right? The the abduction and murder, uh, brutal murder, torture of Emmett Till. You know, young uh, African American boy from from uh, from uh, uh, Chicago South Side, over in the Woodlawn area, visiting relatives. You know, down south, and who ended up you know just completely brutalized and not treated as a child right but treated as a as a threat he was an object of hate and but this was not this was not an isolated uh, incident, incident instance excuse me uh, this was something that happened more often than not it was it happened far far more often than was reported and the point being that this was emblematic of life at that time. So something like a Green Book existed because through your travels, as an African American, through your travels throughout the the South, moving from one point to the next, stopping at the wrong gas station could mean that that was your last stop, All right? It could mean that if you did make it out, it could mean that you you made it out with uh, with, with with scars, right? It could mean that the family that was under your uh, protection, your family that's with you. I'm mean, now speaking speaking to men, right? Um, but it, you know, I don't I don't even want to situate it just around men. But traveling and going to the wrong space, not knowing you've gone, it had it could have deadly consequences. So a book like this was was necessary, and it's probably a book that many of you may not be familiar with but it was it was a reality, and it was it was a necessity. so when I say I travel like a black man from the from the thirties from the forties, what I mean is that as a student of history uh sometimes what what happens is history can imprison us it, it not only it not only can educate us right, because we know the person that doesn't know their history is doomed to repeat it, right you're doomed to fall through the same crevices the same um uh, pitfalls but history also has a way of I hate to say it but it has a way of of becoming um uh, a, a becoming its own prison. Now I recently matter of fact just over the weekend uh I went I drove my family went down to went to Atlanta uh for the Community Life Forward uh conference and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on, uh, probably not tonight, but we'll we'll definitely do a recap. We did some interviews and uh, got some really great footage that we want to bring back and share. But for the purposes of of what I'm talking about right now, as I'm driving down, uh, it's about 750 miles from my home to the hotel. The only thing that I'm thinking of, and this is not the first road trip we've taken, we've 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 gone. Uh, Different place, you know, Florida. We've, I mean, we've gone to different places, where we've, where we've driven. But I'm always hyper conscious, uh, uh, conscious of where I'm stopping, right? Where am I going? And I recognize that that is not a sensitivity that is shared by quote unquote mainstream or white America. That's not something that you probably ever think about, right? If you're driving, you need gas, you just get off. You get off the express, uh, the highway, and you get your gas, you get your food, you may even sit down to eat, and you get back on the road and you don't worry about it. That is not the same, and and, and of course, folks might think that, well, the Civil Rights Act of 65 was passed, we've got desegregation in in, uh, schools and um, uh, and there's no more lawful segregation uh, in terms of of housing, lawful, right? We know folks get around that. But we've moved on. So why would you still travel or have that same type of awareness? Why would you still have that same, same type of sensitivity? I don't want to pause for a minute. I'm going to ask Ibrahim, do you think that there are people who, who, who would say, well, so much time has passed. Why would you still feel like that? Why would you still think that way? yeah who, who would think yeah like why it's, it's been a long time things have changed why why would you still travel with the same type of um i don't want to say dread but just just awareness or i think some there's some people who would say that
1: that's paranoia
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if you heard it because I, I didn't know if there was mike but he said some people might look at that as paranoia right but the reality is, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, my sister and brother-in-law, they went to, where were they traveling to? Uh, Florida? No, Texas. They drove to Texas. And uh, Texas is, it's, it's hard to name any space in the South that does not have a, a history, instances of brutality um, towards African-Americans. But Texas has a special place. Um, it, with regard to that, right? That being the, the that being the site of uh of June Juneteenth where folks the last people to find out slavery was over, this was in Texas. Right. But anyway, they were they were driving and they saw a sign, a billboard, and it said something to the effect of uh Stop White Genocide. And then they saw another yeah, stop white genocide, right? Uh so miscegenation is a is is a, is still a word that is used by what, by that? what stop by genocide? Well, that has implications with regard to immigration. Uh it has implication with regard to um interracial relationships and marriage. Uh so and and our immigration policy was a barrier. It was a hedge against the Browning of America. It was a hedge, it was a hedge against the Browning of America. And so when that hedge came down in uh, in 65, then people became even more desperate. There were people who, who became even more desperate with this, with the desire to maintain Um, what's often wrapped up in in the phrase, a way of life. They became more desperate to to maintain a way of life that afforded them a privilege that was not given to others. So, yeah, so stop white genocide, right? We don't want to see ourselves phased out. We don't want to see ourselves browned out. We don't want to see that happen. Uh, And then there was another, there was another, uh, something about being pro-white and you know but these these are billboards right and we understand that there's a difference the context of people when in the in the 60s when james brown said i'm black and i'm proud white people have never had to say in the history of the united states that they were that they were proud to be because that identity was never was never under attack um but i'm meandering around so let me let me kind of come back, but I was I was addressing the the uh, the question that um, Ibrahim um, that he asked. But traveling, right? It seems to be such a really simple thing: get in your car and you drive. And I know everybody. You know, I, I am not a representation of all black men, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I do know that there are others who are who had that same type of awareness. Uh, and a part of it is that awareness is there because that minority of, of vitriolic and hateful, um, uh, that hateful part of, of, of white America that will resort to violence, that will protest you based on your religion, that will protest you based on uh, your race, that will protest you based on your, the, your native language that part of America is very rarely checked by the majority of of white Americans who don't share those sentiments, but they're not checked by them with the same type of fervor, with the same type of intensity. So you don't get to really see, you don't get to see the opposition to that, right? That, even though it's a minority, that minority because it's so active in certain spaces and because it's so loud it becomes it almost beca- takes on the perception of being the norm so when I do go to places like I stop through uh, Kentucky and I'm I stop in I get gas I don't know how I'm gonna be received uh, I mean I'm not I'm not fearful get just make sure you understand that right I, I'm not fearful of anybody or anything but God uh, but Allah but it, there is a there's a hesitancy, there's a reticence. You don't know, you, you own your guard. So the the, the the white sister behind the counter, and she greets me, and so we start talking, and you know everything is, you know, we're joking around. That's not the expectation, because it's not it's not promoted. Uh, I shouldn't say it's not promoted, but that resistance is not there, right? And I think. So i'm gonna i'm gonna end with this right i'm gonna end with this we're gonna take a little short break i'm gonna come back and get into the uh get into our, our conversation um i'm not even gonna tell you who the guest is well you already know if you're if you're following us on facebook or, or twitter you know uh, uh, so uh, we're going to get into our conversation with uh dr Idris abdurrahman uh, but just a reminder something like the green book even though it's not in publication anymore there are still people who travel with that same type of awareness uh sundown towns, right? You, you may, this may be another term that some of you who are you may be younger and may not be familiar with that that term. But don't worry about it. We're gonna get you up to speed with some of these things because those those types of sentiments, they still they still exist. And those things can't be legislated away. All right, folks, um we're gonna take a short break and when we come back We'll get into the happier part of uh, tonight's uh, program, okay? Uh, This is Radio Slime on WCEV 1450 AM. We'll be right back. Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its north side location located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141 that's area code 872 806 01401 or by visiting their website at Syrian A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, 1 in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, 1 in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38, and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you
1: I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brothers Big Sisters. My Big sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My Big Sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer.
0: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council.
1: Radio Islam The nation's first daily live call and talk radio show Produced by Muslims for the mainstream market Radio Islam On the air since 2004 Because of your generosity Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset You, our listener From our producers to our interns We appreciate your support Thank you
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alamine, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. If you are just tuning in, folks, remember you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA, and you can check out any past episode that you may have missed out on or you just may want to revisit. Wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or Google Play, you'll find us at Radio Slime USA. And last but not least, if you want to give us a call, feel free to do so at 312-750-1178, 312-750-1178. All right, got all my promo stuff out of the way. (laughs) Um, We are now um, just really pleased uh, to uh, tell you that our featured guest is here. You <laughs> <laughs> You've seen him on the Ancest- Ancestry.com uh, <laughs> commercials, and uh, the, you, 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 uh, your brother were on a great race. Yeah, the right? amazing race. The it amazing race. So amazing, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as, as you may know already, our guest is Dr. Idris uh, Abdurrahman. He is a board-certified obstetrician, gynecologist, OBGYN, But that's that's the slang (laughs) on the street. Um, (laughs) He practices alongside his twin brother, Dr. Jamil, uh, Jamil, who is also board certified uh, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Yep. Okay. Uh, And he's married, father of two sons, three daughters, and is an avid traveler. And I'm going to say avid
1: again. Right, <laughs> avid traveler and runner. Well, I, you know, I stopped running, still traveling, stopped running. Oh, you're not now, running? I, now I'm an avid traveler, and elliptical user, whatever you call it. <laughs> <was>. <laughs> hey,
0: I'm, I'm a biker now. I'm you a know, cycler.
1: I, I, I love biking, but, like, it hurts my butt. Like, I can't sit there for too long. After 30 minutes, I'm like, I got to get up. I can't do this.
0: Obviously, you don't have the shorts. What? <laughs> you have to get
1: the shorts with the padding in them. You know, okay. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. I didn't know they had that. I remember my wife was teasing me. There was this episode of King of the Hill where Mm. he had the shorts with the padding, you know. And I told my wife, that's what I need. I didn't know they actually made that, so now I know. (laughs) Now I know. I'm (laughs) telling you.
0: I'm telling you. Because it took me from being able to uh, stand it, for like, it's about a half hour. Yeah. You know, I could get eight or nine miles in, and then it was like, okay, this is not not for me. (laughs) This is not for me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, once I got the shorts, I'm... I'm gone. Well, I'm Fifty gonna, I'm gonna, miles. As soon as I
1: get home, I'm going to be on Amazon, and then okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride up to your house. We're going we're to bike together with our <laughs> shorts on. Oh, we're going to get a long ride. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: um, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I am already, pining the fact that we only have till seven o'clock. Okay, so look, we're going to make the most of this. Uh, uh, so, how how was practice? Uh, let, me, let me. So we're going to just jump all over the place. Okay, let's go. <laughs> What was the, um, did the Cosby show have anything to do with you becoming a, an OBGYN?
1: It did not. So actually, no? <laughs> back in the Cosby days, I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be an airline pilot. Yeah. And Yeah, my wife, my wife uh, put the kibosh on that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was at that fork in the road where I was like, Medical school, you know, go to go to pilot school. My wife was like, "No, I don't want you to be gone like for two days here, three days there." Yeah. So you go to medical school. I was like, "Okay, I'll go to medical school." And then I became an OBGYN and I'm still gone two nights, three nights. So I kind of, you know, I still back ended her and still got her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it had nothing to do with the Cosby Show. It's just you know. But when okay. I went to med school, yeah. you know, and I thought I wanted to actually be a GI doctor. You know, don't know right. ask me lot, but I thought I did. Okay. Um, but then when I did the OB rotation, it wasn't something that was in my mind. But I was like, "This is cool. You get to deliver babies. You get to do surgery. You get that continuity of." in the office. So you get to do a little bit of everything, you know, and, right. and people don't know I'm a little ADD, so I can't do just one thing, you know, so <laughs> it was good to be able to kind of dabble in everything.
0: Yeah, so how long have you been um, a practicing uh, doctor,
1: physician? Well, I want to say like a year just because I make me like 28, huh. but the reality is I graduated in uh, 2002, so 16 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Has years. it flown by? it's it's weird like I was thinking about that today in some ways it has I'm like wow I can't believe it's been 16 years but then in some ways like with residency and starting a practice it's like only 16 years like it feels like it's been 32 so <laughs> no. but it's yeah. it, it it for the most part it's gone by fast but life in general does you know I look at my kids like what you're 19 how's that possible you know yeah, yeah. So yeah but yeah it's gone by pretty quickly
0: yeah I'm looking at them like uh you know, see him on Instagram, like, I, yeah. I don't believe this. He lets you on his Instagram, huh?
1: Okay. Right. You're going to have to backdoor him then to let me know what he's doing. he won't let me on his Instagram. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> see, I, I'm safe. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'll not just dead. hit like. I'm not. <laughs> I'll keep it moving. Now, how, uh, and I'm sure, I know you, you've gotten this question many times. But um, I find it interesting being a twin. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I have twins. Yeah. But they're mirror twins. And they, they really could not be any more different in, in a lot of different ways. I'm sure you guys are different. But the fact that yeah. you all have gone into the same field, worked together, I mean, there's just – there's an obvious,
1: obvious bond. How, yeah.
0: Yeah, how did – has that always it, been the case grow, growing up?
1: It has been, you know, because like with uh, – our parents divorced, when we were young, we were like three, so it was just basically my brother and my mom and I for the longest time, you know, so we were just like the three the three musketeers, you know, yeah. and so he was obviously the only kid in the house, you know, and so we were always <laughs> together, and we did everything together, we were going through the same stages at the same time, so it's just like, you know, but yeah, and then and then we just it, it just kind of you know, we went to school together, obviously until college, we went to college together, they we went to med school together, we got married around the same time, you know, wow. and so we've just been you know it's kind of it's kind of sick in a way we need to live our own lives, you know, <laughs> but uh, we do everything together.
0: No, I point to you all. I, I I tell my daughters, I said, look, this is how. I mean, really, because I feel like if, if, if Allah blesses you with
1: with somebody else, like I mean, that you can look at and just, I agree. Wow, I, I agree. Wow. You know, but it's. it's Twins are either A or B. It's like they either love each other and they're best friends, or they hate each other. You know, so alhamdulillah, mm. you know, we 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 like each other, we get along well, but yeah. you know, but but in a way, it kind of, I think it makes you very insular. Like you know, like I've never had like a lot of friends because I'm like I don't need a friend. I got you know, mm-hmm. we're the same age, we in the house together. Like I don't need you. <laughs> you right. know, So so in some ways, it, it's good to kind of branch out and kind of get away from each other every once in a while. But but it you know it's just like you got your you got your bestie in the house. Not that my wife's not my bestie. My wife is my bestie. She's my she's my first. Bestie, Say but you got another. Yeah, no, I got go to go over there, but you got, you got another bestie. So it's cool. You know? Yeah. So how, how do you fit the traveling in? <laughs> you know what? It, it, so uh, I don't know if I should say this on the air, because somebody from work may be listening, but you just got to get creative with your vacation days. <laughs> you yeah. know. So I uh, I take a half day here, take a half day there, combine a day here. And, uh, but, yeah, you know, you just you got to do it. Like people say, oh, you're going to go to India for like five days. That's crazy. I'm like, but you know what? It's like you're on the plane for maybe 24 hours combined. You still got four days, you know, like you just
0: you have to be gone for that amount of time. Whenever you got a flight. Over 12 hours, of, you know, oh, yeah. you just yeah.
1: have to. You have to, but you just you just get it in. It's like, you know what, okay, I got a week, then I'm just going to do it, you know, because you only live once, and inshallah I'll live to be 90 or 100, but well, I may die when i 50, you know, so you got to yeah. do it now while you can. Have you always wanted to travel? You know, I have. Like, my... my uh for the longest time, like my brother and I and my mom lived with her parents, my grandparents, mm-hmm. and she was an only child. So, you know, they were blessed to kind of have, you know, a, a decent amount of income and only one child. So it's like, where are you going to spend it? You know, so they traveled a lot and they, they took us with them. And so that's kind of what got that seed started. I was six, seven, eight. I was on planes going here, going there. And, you know, I, I kind of told that I was growing, like, you got to keep paying for my travel because you got me started. And like, I can't afford it now. <laughs> so, you know, I'm right. going through draws here. But uh, yes. Yeah, so,
0: so what has that done for? I mean, it, and I ask this as a parent um we've been able to take our you know take our daughters a few different places yeah. and uh when they talk to folks who've never been outside of the um the state yeah right or uh the country um they, they it surprises them a little bit yeah right but with the frequency <laughs> that you all travel. <laughs> Do they see the world? How how do they see the world?
1: You know, it's kind of weird. Like I think that you almost have to have two different perspectives. Like if you kind of grew up like one of those people that maybe never left the state and and then you start to see the world, your, your eyes open like, wow, there's so much out there. In a way I think when you're kind of born that way, like to my kids it's almost normal and and my wife and I we talk about that and it kinda bothers us a little bit. Like I want them to realize like you're really blessed. Like you've been so many places, like you're blessed. Like to them it's routine, like, oh we're gonna go to you know, wherever. You know, it's just really routine. and I always tell them, like, you know what, no. Like I want you to research this place, I want you to get out and like when I just go into the beach, you're gonna get out and kinda immerse yourself in the culture, see the people, you know, see the good, see the bad, and know how blessed you are, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's I think long term once they they get out in the world and they're they're married and they have kids they'll really kind of look back on this and realize how special it was and hopefully it gives them a, a perspective you know that other people don't have but right now they're just like teenagers they're like whatever like they don't yeah. care where they are you know yeah but that's teenagers
0: now it's funny because i was talking about um traveling the, in, the, in the first uh, opening segment now what's funny is my wife uh because she was stationed overseas you know she was in the military yeah. and. Uh, so she's moved around quite a bit, so she she's i'm not gonna say she's my opposite, but she yeah in a lot of ways she is right yeah. well I'm a much more reluctant traveler while well, I plan out you know exactly where i 'm stopping yeah. and all that kind of stuff <laughs> uh but <laughs> for you when you're traveling is there any is there any hesitancy because you're not just traveling across the country you're traveling Traveling different different
1: countries. Period. You know what? There is no hesitancy, and this is probably gonna be one of those retrospectives where I turn up somewhere and they're like, "Oh, remember when so I'm ready?" I'm just "It's totally safe," you know. But like, my wife is she's kind of like you. Like when I when I hit up the ground, I want to hit the ground running. Like, okay, let's go here, let's go here, let's do this, let's do that. And she's like, "You know what? I don't like you doing this by yourself. You may get kidnapped. This may happen. That may happen," you know. Right. But I'm just kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I try and play it so much safe. I'm not gonna go to like a war zone or you know, I'm not going out somewhere in the middle of the night where you know, I'm not crazy. But right. I feel like you gotta get out there and just and see it, nigga and experience and explore, you know? So I, I'm not like on the fly. Like I know like my in-laws, when they went on Hodge, for example, mm-hmm. they just got tickets, they didn't have accommodations. No, that's not me, like I'm really? gonna have accommodations, I'm gonna know where I'm going, but once I get there, then I wanna just do it, you know, do whatever comes up, you yeah. know? Yeah. And how
0: have you had, and I, I mean, the world is what it is, we've got we've got good and bad. Yeah. Have you had, have you have your experiences been, Have have they mirrored that reality where you've had good experiences and bad? Or have they all been great?
1: Um, I'll be honest, and this is kind of probably a sad statement, but yeah. the majority of the bad that I've encountered has been at home, you know? Like when I travel and maybe, and, and things may be kind of changing in the world now, but it used to be that, that that little blue passport was kind of like, you know, you're not black, you're not Muslim, you're American, you know? Right. So people would treat you a certain way, no matter where you went for the most part, you know? Mm. Um now that may be changing, <laughs> but uh, but here at home, most of the bad that I kind of run into, be it anti you know Islamic sentiment or or maybe because of the color of my skin or whatever, tends to be more something I run into at home. I've never really ran into it abroad that I can remember, which is kind of a kind of a sad statement, a little bit, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, there are things that you notice, uh, and it, it is vital. It is important to travel. Yeah. Um, we were where were we at? What airport? I think it was Heathrow Airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I, that caught my eye was the number of uh, number of women, and the number of uh, sisters I'm in full. Hijab.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: And I was like,
1: whoa, like, yeah. th- <laughs> this, this is. This is something that everybody should see. You know, and that's the thing. It's like like it, it, this last December, like my wife and I, we went to uh, Malaysia and Indonesia. Okay. And so that time she was like, I want to take my parents with me because outside of like the Middle East, they, they haven't been to any majority Muslim countries, you know. Mm. And so yeah, I think that as Muslims in America, like we kind of feel like Everybody lives the way that we do in the sense that, you know, sometimes people that wear hijab are kind of timid, too, and, you know, we're only in certain settings for the most part. But, yeah, it's like when you go even England, yeah. Europe, uh, Asia, like you'll see hijabis, it, it, you know, it, police officers, security guards, it, it immigration, you know, and it gives you this 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 totally different perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that I love is like in the airport, you see the, the masala, the prayer room. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I love this, you know? And so I think that's one thing that as a Muslim, when you travel abroad, it kind of, brings you into your own a little bit more, like, you know what, we don't have to be in this little shell, we don't have to hide who we are. We can be who we are and people aren't as threatened by us yeah. in other places. Here, not so much, but but it, it kind of gives you this sense of, of um freedom almost, you know? Like I, I'm I'm doing me. Like, you know, actually like we were talking about at the break, we had just come back from the Maldives, and on the plane we're flying to uh, Istanbul, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh on the on the little TV screen they actually had, you know, like next prayer time at such and such a time, this direction uh, for the Qibla, you know, and I was like, wow. you know, mashallah, like this you start to feel like, you know, whereas in the States, oh my God, like my wife wearing hijab, she's even like nervous to get up and go to the bathroom. Sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. honey, go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, she holds it in because she doesn't want to be that hijab, you get up, walk towards the cockpit, you know? Yeah. And so it, it, it just, is this it, it's this whole, it's this different feeling when you're abroad. It really just makes you feel like you're not alone, you know?
0: The, yeah, there's a, there's a, a feeling of, of being recognized and being affirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And I think for children to see that, Especially because, you know, our children, th- this is all they know. They mm-hmm. don't know anything prior to, you know, 9-11. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and these, these outward sentiments of anti-Muslim uh, anti, um, uh, sentiments, these are things that, these are just normal.
1: It is, and and, I, and, I, and it's kind of hard for me to grasp that because my, my oldest daughter, she's, uh, about, she's about to be 17, mm-hmm. she was literally like maybe two weeks old when 9-11 happened. I remember sitting there with her, like pradling her, watching the coverage, you know, and so this literally, this has been her life, you know, and I remember we were, a few years ago, we were living down at the booties, we were in Ottawa, you know, yeah. and it's a very um, homogenous area, I'll just put it that way, you know, in terms of both ethnicity and religion and so my daughter when it came time for her to start having to wear her we were down there you know and so it was really difficult for her and she didn't you know she she was the only one like us down there and so we didn't really push it until we you know she was like nine or ten so you know whatever we got when we got up here she started doing it you know but yeah, it's just, I, I, it, it's a different world for them. Like, I, my wife and I are talking about this. I remember when I was a kid, and people would sometimes get, you know, Orthodox Islam and the Nation of Islam confused. But back in the day, like, if you said you're Muslim. People were like, oh, you're Muslim. They respected you. Like, yeah. there's a little bit of fear, but they respected you, you know? <laughs> Whereas now, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's very, it's a totally different ballgame. There's anger. It, it's anger. It, it is absolute anger you know and, 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 it, and it it sometimes makes you become a person you don't necessarily want to become either you know because sometimes when people are looking and I find myself like what are you looking at you know and then I realize oh maybe she's looking at something totally different <laughs> you know so it, 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 it kind of changes everybody unfortunately but yeah it's um you know it, it, it's the world we live in I don't know I, I don't I don't even know what to say about
0: it <laughs> well but you uh, you and your brother and you you have found um, um, as representatives of Muslims you know um and you know commercials and you know and you're going around different uh media outlets uh, your own program twin doctors uh TV um, do you feel that you are and i I hate to even ask this right but I'm gonna ask do you feel like you, you are dispelling some of the myths that people have about Muslims? Or do you feel like they look at you as a Muslim, even, even with the
1: name? I, th- I think, yes. You'd it be funny how people still don't know we're Muslim. <laughs> you know, you put the name. But, but I, I would say yes and no. In some ways, I think we are dispelling myths. Like, you know, they see. Because, like, my wife and I, we argue about this all the time. I don't necessarily blame people that have not been exposed to Muslims feeling the way they feel. You know, right. because the, the media coverage here is very slanted. And, you know, so if I was a Muslim, I might be like, mm, I don't know about them either. You know, so, right. so I think when people are exposed, one of two things happens. They say, huh. Maybe, you know, Muslims aren't what I think they are, look at these people, look at this guy, look at this lady, you know. Or on the other hand, I've had people say, well, yeah, you're Muslim, but you're not really like you're different. I'm like, oh my God, no, really, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not like I can't bring you a thousand Muslims to show you I'm not, but just trust me, I'm not. You know. Right. But I, I think we do dispel myths because unfortunately, people have a lot of myths about Muslims in this country. They feel like you know, of course, either you're you're jihadi, you're a terrorist, or you're just you know you're gonna slap somebody with a stick on the ankle if you see their ankle, or it's like you know you wanna you wanna um, uh, 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 institute Sharia law. You know, they have got all these crazy ideas, and when they see that, no, we are we're not just like I'm not not one of these people that are gonna say oh we're just like because we're not. There are differences, you know. Right. But we can live in harmony. Like, I'm not going to impose my will upon you. You're not going to impose your will upon me. I'm going to tell you who I am. We can talk. We can dialogue. We can be respectful. I think that does change people's outlook. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say you're different. You know, I don't know, but right. but I, I I think it does make a difference. And I, I I don't I don't hide my Islam. Like I'll tell them like when we were on TV, we we're fasted. I said I am fasted. You know, and I kind of make a joke about it. But I kind of do. I guess that is a little bit of that creeping Sharia. Like I'm gonna kind of let you know what I'm doing and why, so that it's more relatable. Um, and I hope it I hope it makes a difference for some people. Yeah, you know? even if you touch one person, right? Well,
0: that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, somebody said it's not about who you know, but it's who knows you. Exactly. Uh and sometimes it's that one person that knows you that is going to be that'll be that ally that you know, yeah. you just you
1: need. I'm lazy, I'm going for that Sonic and Jarry, like I just I want to keep going, like you know, <laughs> just like keep going, keep going. So yeah. yeah. So uh what did you, what did you get from the
0: experience from the uh, amazing race? What was that? What was that like?
1: okay, so I'm gonna tell you something I always wanted to do. I, I, I it's been five years, and I still have nightmares about that. 'Cause I'm like, oh my god, I wish it would have gone differently, <laughs> you know. But whatever. Um, but I think the the main thing that I got from it was. Um before we went on that show, I never really thought about anything media-related, you know? And mm. then when we actually did it, I realized I kind of like this. I like I like being in front of the camera. I like, But not like in a, in a like, oh, look at me sort of way. Like, I, I don't want to be a Kim Kardashian. I don't want people in my life, and I don't want to be Instagramming my meal. And not not right. in that kind of way. But, I mean, more in the sense that I feel like, you know, we all have something to offer, you know? Yeah. And it, it kind of put this bug in my head like, hey, you know, you got something to offer too. And, and like I said, even if you, if you get 10 million followers and change the world, or you get one person and you change somebody's life and they change the world. You know, I just felt like we could, you know, kind of put ourselves out there and, and, and present both Muslims in a different way, present African-Americans in a different way and present doctors in a different way. So just kind of, you know, change it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Now, do you get stopped? Um, <laughs> do you get stopped by folks saying, I have a rash?
1: Uh, Let me tell you something, <laughs> so this is the thing, so when we were, especially when we were in Ottawa, because it's a small town, like, I, it, it was a little too personal in that, you know, your patient would be delivering pizza to your house, and I'd see somebody in, Wal- like, literally once we were in Walmart, yeah. and uh, a lady had her rash on her breast, you know, so she pulled up her shirt. I was like, whoa, <laughs> was like, we're in Walmart here, you know, <laughs> so people do that all the time, uh. and, like, and I, I realize, you know, I'll have people call me, text me, Facebook me, or just, hey, you know, I got this going, I got that going on. And it used to kind of bother me a little bit, like, can I just live? I just want <laughs> to live, you know? But my wife was like, look at it a different way. It, it, it's like, this is like a little ways to help, you know? Because, you know, once we we're, were on high, uh, and we had just finished, and uh, we were still there kind of just, you know, before we left the country, mm-hmm. and uh, there were like three of us in a room, like is myself, this other doctor, and then um, this engineer from Texas, you know? And so the other doctor, his dad, no, no. Yeah, his dad came, he was doing something, he wasn't on high, he lived in Saudi. And so he was just talking to us. He's like, You guys are so lucky being doctors, you can help people every day. Like we as Muslims, we are looking for these opportunities to help people, you can do it every day. And when he stared at that, I was like, you know what? I was like, You're right. Like I gotta kinda change our look at this. Like this is a, a, a chance to like multiple times a day, you know, kind of put some put some some goodwill in that bank, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I try.
0: Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from the uh Aside from the random folks just coming up <laughs> to you, uh, what are some of the things that you've that you've accomplished or that you try to make try to do with uh, Twin Doctors um, TV?
1: You know, the one thing is making healthcare like accessible and understandable. Like one thing that I've realized, both being a patient and being a physician. A lot of doctors are smart, but for multitude of reasons, it's not all doctor's fault, but bedside manner sucks, you know. And so people don't feel comfortable finding out what they need to find out. They don't feel comfortable being honest, you know. And so the one thing I wanted to do is be like, hey, you know, I've got to be professional enough to be a doctor because you're not going to want to talk to me if you think I'm like Mm -hmm. your child, you know. But I also want to be relatable enough to make you comfortable. And so that was the main thing. I want to make people comfortable and make medicine accessible and just be like, hey, you know let's talk and, and what's going on and see if we can help people in that way. So I think that's the, the one thing we really wanted to um accomplish. The second thing and we're we're still kind of working on this, but I really want to um especially for like the African American community and the minority community, I want to kind of be an example of of, of what you can do. And I'm not full of myself like, oh, I'm the pinnacle. No, I got a lot of work to do. But, you know, I think that we don't have enough um but have enough good role models, you know. And the role models we have, they're negative, and and or at least the ones that are put out there. I'll, let me put it that right. way, because that, that that's one thing that people say that really those ear-tasting. that are promoted. that's not true. The ones that are that are put out there are negative, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and and I want to kind of change that script a little bit. Like, hey, you know, and, and you don't have to be a doctor. You know, you can be whatever you want to be, you know. Um, <laughs> but I just want I want to be a face that that brown people and black people, people of color, minorities can look at, like, you know what, they did it too, and and and, and it's possible, you know.
0: What do you think of well, I'm, I'll, I'll save that question. Let me ask this: for those, for those people, these young people who may be considering uh, going into uh, medicine, yeah. right? They want to become doctors. What's the one thing, or what are or a couple? What are a couple of things that you would tell them? This is what you're going to need to do. These are the characteristics that you're going to need to have.
1: The first one is it's like obviously oh, you got to be hardworking. It, it's a long, hard process. That's the first thing. You just got to be prepared for hard work. But the second thing is you gotta have a thick skin, you know? Um, mm. One thing that I, and, 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 again, being a person of color, one thing that I've realized, like, partially, I'm not gonna lie, I'm probably a little bit paranoid, like it's probably 50-50, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, you know? Yeah. But being a person of color, I realize it, and it's just not in medicine. In law, in any field where you're one of the few, um, I look at i, I t- my brother and I talk about it like this all the time. If I make a mistake and we're all human we're gonna make mistakes, it's like, oh, that, you know, affirmative action child made a mistake, doesn't belong here, you know. Whereas if you're a, a you know, a fifty-year-old white man with salt and pepper hair, they're kinda like, Oh, everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> you know, it happens sometimes. So being a person, a brown person, a black person, a person of color, you've gotta have a thick skin because that that old adage you gotta work twice as hard to get half as far. It's true. Like you're gonna have to deal with the, the the subtle and the overt ism, racism, you know, sexism, whatever. Um, yeah. you, you just have to have a thick skin. So you've got to be willing to work hard. you got to have a thick skin. Um, and you have to do it for the right reasons. A lot of people go into medicine for the money. And being a physician, you make decent money. But that's less and less now. Like, you're definitely making less money. And when you're out in four years, eight years, it will be even less. So you have to do it for the right reasons, which are, you know, primarily to help people.
0: Mm. What do you think of the depiction of doctors on television?
1: You know, I... I my wife and I talk about this because some people know my wife's an attorney. She's not a malpractice attorney. We'd be divorced. But, <laughs> um, but you know, we talk about this all the time. Like, I, I, I get upset sometimes when I, like, people expect a perfect outcome all the time. And I tell people, A, doctors are humans. We're not gods. But also, long before they were doctors, people died. Like, you know, things happen. Like, you're not going to live forever. Like, we hope you live a healthy life, but you're still going to die. <laughs> you know, stuff does happen. And so I think that, um, and, and so, you know, I I I, I, I feel like, Television and 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 just popular culture—they give do- people this false appearance that doctors like you know everything and everything's going to be okay. Like you have House, like you've got the craziest ailment out there, oh, yeah. and he's going to sit down and scratch his head, and then oh, we're going to cure. you. Like that's not going to happen. Like doctors do a great job, and we're going to do our best. And but I don't want I, people need to understand that doctors are human, and 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 you know we make mistakes and maybe this one isn't good for you go see another one you know but i just i don't want people to feel like doctors are just like this this pinnacle like right below god there's doctors like that's just not the case and i think that unfortunately tv and and popular culture kind of makes it seem that way
0: do you do you think there are doctors who who kind of take that in Yeah, and (laughs) they have the whole the whole idea of um because i've had conversations with folks and they're like well i've never heard i've never heard my doctor say i don't know yeah right um, this idea that I have to, 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 to admit that I don't know something
1: or that this might be beyond, you know, beyond
0: my my practice my school, or I whatever. Gotta, my I got to go look right? it up. I got to leave the room and look it up. Yeah. So, I,
1: so there are some doctors who just think they really know everything, but I would honestly say those are few and far between. I think yeah. most of the time doctors kind of put an air on, A, because you've kind of... You've kind of been a part of this popular culture as well, so you feel like you have to be the one that at least looks like you know everything. Um, but also, people are afraid of malpractice. Like God forbid, you say I don't know. <laughs> you know, and then a month later something bad happened. Like he said he didn't know. You know, I'm going to get a lawyer. You know, so I think it's probably both of those things. That's but I fair. think doctors do they do contribute to that that idea of you know I'm the doctor. Like you know, mm-hmm. so then when something goes wrong, it's like well wait a minute, you're the doctor. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah,
0: that is really I, I hadn't thought about. That aspect of it, the malpractice aspect of it, because t- it's, it's we are such crude. a litigious uh, society. We're in a
1: very litigious society, and Illinois is a really bad state for malpractice, you know. Um, and so that that plays a, a huge. I mean, this is a whole another discussion. But I, I tell people like, if you want to get healthcare under control, you got to get malpractice under control because doctors, law, uh, nurses, uh, PAs, they all practice defensive medicine. It's kind of like I know this. I, I know this eight thousand dollar scan probably is not necessary, but I'm going to order it because A, I'm not paying for it, and B, if something does happen. They're not coming after me, you know. So it, you know, it's. Mm. But yeah, it's a. Uh,
0: that's that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is. That's its own. I think that's a series of conversations because yeah. we talk about uh, getting healthcare, making it accessible and affordable, but the back end is um, malpractice and how
1: how law is tied into it it's malpractice and it's, it's corporate medicine. People think, like, people always get mad at the doctor when they get their bill, I'm like, my, par- my portion is the smallest bit. It's pharmaceutical companies, it is uh, the medical technology companies, and then it's malpractice. Those are the three things that really need to be gotten under control if you want to make healthcare accessible for everybody. And it's, and, and you're asking what I would tell people going into medicine, one of the things, and my wife knows, I'm, I, I'm, I'm reaching a little bit of burnout, not in the sense that I don't like practicing medicine, but I'm getting really frustrated with the state of medicine in this country. You know, like I, my wife and I talk about this all the time, and God forbid you say this, you're going to be skewered, and they're going to say you're anti-American. America's the best country in the world that I've been to. Okay, don't get me wrong, but this, this, um, this, this, this fallacy of American exceptionalism. And what I mean when I say that, like, America's good, but it can be better. And sure. one area where it can be better is healthcare. You know, but God forbid you say. Look at this country, look at that country, They're like you love it or leave it, get out of here. And it's like, no, I do love it, and that's why I wanna tell you what we can do to be better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 healthcare is one of those areas where we do a pretty good job, but we could do way better. And I'm so tired of seeing it. Like, I had a patient recently that had cancer. Mm-hmm. No insurance. And we're literally trying to figure out what they I gonna do. Like, I'm like, this is America, like why are we even talking about this? Are you literally gonna die because you can't like de-assert? I mean, you know, so it's uh that's one thing that I tell people that are going into medicine. Have that string to be prepared to change the world because you're going to have to. It's going to be an uphill climb, but we've got to do something different and better.
0: Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense that we are the quote unquote richest country in the world, but we cannot provide universal
1: health care. I, 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 and this is the thing, and you know, <laughs> if we got started on politics, I'd be here all night, you know, but the thing <laughs> is, you know, there's so much, there's so, much, so many political games behind why we can't provide universal health care. But at the end of the day, you know, Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, you know, blue state, red state, blah, blah, blah. You know, at the end of the day, I think this is something that, I agree with As as, as, a, as a quote unquote developed country, it is insane that we've got so many, and, and it's not like we don't have the places or the personnel, like, these ORs, these machines will be sitting empty. So I mean, it's available. It's just it's yeah. just that access, and that's just what that's what kills me. That's you know, it, it's just it, and, and it really does. It, you either become the type of person where you're like I don't care, whatever, I'm gonna make money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or you get really frustrated like this is just insane. And I've been telling my wife like I gotta, I, I gotta do something different. Like I wanna, I wanna start a free clinic and FQAT. Like I wanna do something where I can kind of reach the masses but still feed my family because they're right. they're hungry. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's a it's a. It's a big cluster, you know, and I really—I've got this big plan in my head, and I just—I need to write it down, and and so people can ignore it. But I really do have this idea where I think that we can really get healthcare for everybody, and still keep people happy. So people are getting paid, and you know, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's frustrating. It really
0: is. Yeah, there seems, seems to be a new a new actor uh, every ten years or so that's that's introduced, uh, you know, into into the play. Yeah, and uh, at a certain point, you got to say, okay, look. You can't, we, we can't support anybody else giving us their bill, right? We yeah. we just can't support that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, as we are approaching our last few minutes, let me ask this. Um,
1: do you all, how, how often do you, do you, do you go live or do you, uh, how do you, do you so, program? Well, usually, well, so on our on our website, Twin Doctors TV, I mean, we generally put like taped things up there that we do. Like people send questions, we'll kind of answer them, but you know, in kind of a, little two-minute segment. Uh, sometimes we do a Facebook Live. Usually we do it, like, with blackdoctor.org or we'll go on Winning City Live. But the Facebook Live is usually at blackdoctor.org. And i got to be better about, like, publici- you know, publicizing so people can actually put, you know, questions on there. we ad- answer questions. But, like, once a month we'll do it. Like, okay. Usually on, like, a Monday or Tuesday.
0: Now, is it... Uh, is it like user generated content, or is it uh, in um, an area or a topic that you guys feel like okay, we need we will address this both this time.
1: Both, like sometimes I see something like that's good, we got to talk about it, and sometimes people send questions, and I'm like that's a good one, you know, and so we'll talk about that. So it's kind of a little combination of both. Okay,
0: yeah. all right. Well, uh, I have one more question. Yes, all
1: right.
0: <laughs> what are you most What are you most proud of?
1: Oh, man, that's a hard one I'm most proud of. Um, this is going to sound sad. Like, this poor guy, he's not proud of anything. You know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I guess my big, and this is a typical corny parental thing to say, but I would say my kids. Like, I mean, I, I do okay with what I do, and I, I can, but I can do better. I feel like I, I, I'm always in steps behind I need to do better. But my my biggest pride is it's my family, it's my kids. You know, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, we did a pretty good job there. If nothing else, we did a good job there. They're cute. They're well-behaved. <laughs> I can trust them. They will take my money, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you, you, yeah, you all have a beautiful family.
1: Oh, well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. paid him to say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, Radio Islam family. Our guest uh, tonight, uh, as you know, has been Dr. Idris Abdurrahman, um, half of Twin Doctors TV. The better half. <laughs> <laughs> um so, uh, are
1: we going to see uh, any commercials uh, soon? Um, well, you know what? That's a sore spot. But my brother, so he did a commercial Blue Cross Blue Shit, so we tried out for this commercial. And they liked us both. So they literally flipped a coin, and he was heads, so he got it. So, Get he'll be idea. on the commercial. Whatever. But that's fine. <laughs> so, he'll be on a Blue Cross commercial sometime soon. And I don't know what is it's coming out. <laughs> you, you can always tell people it's you. I, that's what I'm going to do. That was me. Did you like it? That was me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> Radio Slime family, we have come to the end of another, uh, another show. Uh, we want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll let you know tomorrow our guest is going to be Kalia Abiade. She is the uh, director of programs over at the Pillars, Pillars Fund. And uh, so you want to tune in, that's going to be a great conversation. Uh, make sure you are with us on social media because we put out every Monday the uh, Radio Slime Work Week so you can know exactly what's well, what the, what, what the topic is and who the guests are. Okay, uh, that's it. We want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much, sir. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Bey. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Majahid, who reminds you that the views expressed by the host and their guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation, even though it's all good, right? Anyway, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.